Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Today on the show, we have Tiffany Sharp. Tiffany is the owner of Sharp Construction, and she's also started an initiative called Girls Can Build in partnership with the Girl Scouts Arizona Cactus Pine Council. Sharp Construction is a young woman-led, fast-growing commercial general contractor located in Phoenix, Arizona. They've already made their mark on the industry and are setting their sets higher to completely change it forever. Girls Can Build is an Arizona-based initiative powered by Sharp Construction with the mission to break down barriers to women in the industries of construction, design, and engineering. By spearheading and supporting projects, opportunities, and mentorships in these industries, they aim to inspire women to be bold to build. We're going to discuss a whole bunch of sharp construction scalability because it's amazing. But the really cool thing about scalability, and, and me and Will say this all the time, is once you get scalability, you get to do really cool stuff like girls can build. So congratulations to both of those things, Tiffany, and welcome to the show. Welcome, Tiffany. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are excited. You're going to obviously tell us about the company and everything. And it's it, you guys are a young company with, you know, all things considered, especially when you think about how old construction is in regards to an industry. And you are already starting your first initiative. And I'm sure it'll be one of many um, because you figured out scale. So uh, with that said, tell, tell us a little bit of your orange, origin story. Tell us how you became to be uh, running Sharp Construction. Uh, origin. You know what? I grew up with construction and like mechanical car mechanics, uh, it, development, construction in my background. Uh, my family, every single one of the men in my family really are in some form of walk or life or walk of life in that type of industry. Oddly enough, most women in my family are all nurses. I knew immediately that nursing was not what I was intending to do or it didn't have any interest in going there. I, I am still a nurturing soul. It's just <laughs> not in that way. <laughs> you can do it different ways. I, I, I went to school to be a, a super cop, right? And I do nothing at all involves law enforcement in any way, shape or form because I wanted to help people. So I, I get it, Tiffany. I've been there too. <laughs> Absolutely. So actually I took this um, interesting art class that was like a 3D drawing course in sixth grade. It was the first year that I was able to really select one of my own electives. And I had already taken all of the other art classes. And so uh, the counselor at the time suggested that I tried this one. When I took the class, it was very like mechanical, lots of tools and different things that they were trying to get you to draw. You were drawing, I'm, I'm going to say it was a 3D version of something that you had no idea what it was as a sixth grade girl in, in school. <laughs> but I was drawing it and I was doing it successfully. And I was intrigued by taking these 2D uh, graphics and these elevations and trying to turn it into something that looked real, trying to pull it together. Right. So there was a creative element, but there was also this very analytical element of trying to make it work and make everything, uh, trying to process the information, pull it together. Um, after that class, I started taking more 3D type 
program classes and started heading in the direction of architecture. I uh, took a lot of AutoCAD, ARCHICAD, Architectural Desktop, 3D Studio Viz. I mean, I really took it all. I followed that path all through high school and ended up moving over to San Diego, California. I guess I should say I'm originally from Iowa and uh, graduated high school in Iowa. The day after I graduated, I already had my U-Haul packed. I drove this little white blazer at the time and got in the car and drove to San Diego. Had booked a, I, I should say, leased an apartment sight unseen. <laughs> Always a good decision, in my opinion. Just, <laughs> just go, just do it. <laughs> Uh, went to San Diego and, you know, spent a couple of years there hanging out and um, went to school there for architecture initially. I took some classes that one of the professors had given me some feedback. It was a class that you had to essentially create a project based on a programming document that they gave you several stipulations and requirements. And I had to design the entire plan that met those programming requirements. And you had the entire semester to do it. Well, I came up with this beautiful glass cantilever idea and, and thought that this was amazing and that I was gonna have like the most amazing project in the entire class, right? The glass cantilever, I think was like 20 feet. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the professor really kind of beat me up over the structural integrity of it. Out of pure frustration, I said, I don't need somebody to teach me to design. I need somebody to teach me to build. So I ended up transferring and over to Arizona and uh, I started an internship with Tor Engineering and started to really dial in on structural engineering because I wanted to understand what was it that I was missing. From there, I realized in a very short period of time that structural engineering was not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time drawing foundations and details and calculating beam lengths and cantilevers, et cetera. I feel like I learned enough to be dangerous, but it definitely wasn't enough to keep me satisfied in, in my career. Uh, so I transitioned again and went into construction management, ended up uh, working as a project manager for a custom home builder up in North Scottsdale. I was there for about five years, I believe. And I mean, it was tremendous. I learned so much. And the residential, I mean, we can talk about this a little bit, but residential construction versus commercial construction, they're just so different. Uh, residential construction, especially on the custom side, is super emotional. These folks have planned to build this home for their entire lives, right? They have, they've saved all of this money and they have this beautiful dream and you're trying to make their dream a reality, right? And so uh, for them, it's an extremely emotional process. And for me as an individual, especially as a project manager trying to make their dream come true, it's extremely detail oriented right and you you've got to be careful of the buttons that you press and you know who how you're dialing in what it is that they're looking for and the words that you're saying because you don't know what's important to them and what's not right so oh yeah giving opinions etc you got to be very careful about that as well or so crushing I, dreams <laughs> sometimes you just have to crush a dream you know that's just what happens <laughs> For some of these folks, money doesn't matter. I mean, you can build it and install it and they hate it and you're tearing it out and waiting for the new product to become available so that you can reinstall it and move forward, right? So some of these projects just last forever and ever. Um, 
So after about five years of doing that, I was looking at an opportunity to go to Intel as a project manager. I really wanted to get into commercial construction and learn the other side of the coin here, right? Uh, so I spent another, gosh, five or six years at Intel, um, initially signed on as a project manager and constructed their 385,000 square foot clean room fab that is referred to as CH8 on the Chandler campus. Um, after that was complete, I did a couple of years of tool install, which is a very unique, very industrial construction element. Um, not, not very exciting for me personally. <laughs> and then I went into another group where I was renovating the campus. Uh, so we did a lot of TIs, renovated all of the floors and the offices and uh, really brought in some fresh new colors and uh, fresh new furniture, et cetera. And, and it, it was really fun. I really enjoyed my experience there. But again, kind of came to the uh, point that I'm ready to, I'm ready for a new challenge. I'm ready to learn something new. Um, at this point, the company that I had worked with prior to Intel was uh, looking for a, uh, he was looking to retire and looking for his, his plan to his exit strategy, essentially. And uh, so he started talking to me again about potentially going back there and running the company with the, the option to buy into the company over a short period of time. Um, at the time, I was also interviewing with Google and Facebook. After evaluating all of the opportunities, I decided that going back to my previous company was the best option. I didn't need to relocate, which meant that my family didn't need to relocate. I had already established a life here. Uh, getting up and moving was really going to be not only just a risk in starting a new career, but a risk in pulling my entire family and relocating them and, and basically starting over from scratch, right? Um, so I took the I took the platinum option. I went back to uh, platinum companies, which was the company that I was with prior to Intel. Uh, I was there um, for about a year and a half and led the company as their president. Uh, helped rebrand them. They were trying to build a uh, commercial construction division, but still heavily focused on the residential side. Um, really amazing company. Really great people. At the end of the day, I decided to move forward with starting Sharp Construction, my own company, and it really was because I wanted to uh, I wanted to alleviate myself of the emotional pains of the residential construction world. So I so I decided to exit uh, after you know after my two years there and started Sharp Construction, and that's where so, we. What? I love that you've touched all of the A, E, and C. You've done all of it. Um, and I know I said this in the pre-interview. Uh, I think people that do it all deserve an award. If you can do all three, you deserve some sort of accolade. That's certainly what I believe. So, uh, so Sharp's only five years in November will be your fifth year anniversary. So right. how, how have you guys been able to scale? You just told me that uh, you guys are hiring. I hope, I hope that's okay to, to mention, but... Uh, Always hiring. I mean, I think that's just construction industry in uh, in Arizona right now. I'm sure in several other states uh, across the U.S. as well. But we we're, we're definitely hiring. We're hiring for all sorts of people at the moment. I've been in interviews for the last two days straight. So <laughs> as a matter of fact, right after this. <laughs> would you be comfortable with telling uh, uh, telling everyone where you're at right now uh, in terms of revenue size? Because the number, I, in my opinion, is amazing. 
but it's your story to tell uh, from zero to what you are now, I think is really awesome. Up to I, you. Absolutely. So um, based on where we're at today, it looks like we're going to finish off 2022 between 20 to 25 million. And I say between awesome. 20 to 25 million because, you know, plans don't always get complete on time. And <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Now we've got we've got massive labor shortages in every part of our industry from, you know, engineering staff to architectural staff to our personal construction staff to all of our subcontract partners as well. Everybody's really hurting. So, uh, yes, the plan right now is to finish off around 20 million. Um, we have grown uh, steadily uh, and and comfortably. I think up to this point, um, over the course of the next couple of years, I would like to see Sharp Construction operational at about $30 million annually, which I think keeps us still a smaller, uh, a smaller firm that, uh, you know, I, I never want to walk down the hallways of my own office and see people there that I don't know their name. That's probably the best way to say it. Well, that is crazy growth. And it's also really admirable of that you have a vision of where you want to be at. And that scale for you isn't just about how big you can get it, but there's an emotional side to it as well for you, uh, which is super cool. Like, congrats for that. Like, that is super amazing. Um, there aren't many people that can say that, hey, I built a $20 million company. So especially in five years, that's even crazy. It, yeah. Not even five yet. Yeah. I know, I know of people that uh, struggled to get to a million and that was after 20 years, right? So super kudos for that. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I can't do it without my people. Uh, that's one of my biggest uh, claims to success right now is you just, and you guys have heard me say this before, the right people in the right place doing the right things at the right time. That really is key for me. It's it's my strategy for uh, continuing this success as trying to make sure that we have amazing individuals here that support our initiative, support our vision, support our growth. And that's not just our people internally, but that's also our subcontract partners. That's our customer partners. That's all of our architectural engineering, you know, everybody in the industry. The amount of support that we've seen has just been phenomenal. What do you, I mean, that's great. Like, what do you attribute your ability to be able to scale so quickly? <laughs> I'm going to go back to my people, mm -hmm. right? So um, honestly, I, I it, this isn't a Tiffany Sharp show. This is a Sharp Construction show, right? And Sharp Construction isn't just Tiffany Sharp. I have uh, some really great people behind me that are helping to make the magic happen. Uh, we're still early enough that we're defining processes. So I think scalability can get uh, hurt if you have a lot of like bureaucracy and red tape in the way. We try very hard not to uh, put processes in place that don't make sense, right? So that goes back to doing the right things. Um, making sure that uh, our people are um, put in a position where they can make decisions. I mean, we hire people that are professionals, that have the experience, that are qualified to make these decisions. They don't need to run these ideas through their management in order to make magic happen. I mean, they're there for a reason. I don't, I, I'm a huge proponent of giving your people the power to, uh, to, to, be successful, empowering them to make those decisions 
Uh, they need to feel comfortable taking risks because they are, right? They've got to make decisions without having all of the information at hand. And I think that uh, if you feel like you have to micromanage those people and you know hold a microscope over them, that it prevents them from feeling comfortable with taking those risks. Okay. So that's that's the that's the clip right there. We need to throw that in the loop. So when we're editing, that's it right there. That's the nugget. <laughs> Give your people authority. Give them accountability and authority. That's how you get scale. Like that's it. We talk a lot about lessons learned too. Um, it's one of those things where when somebody makes a mistake, you have to hold yourself accountable. And I'm not penalizing people. I, I talk a lot about this, like we're a relationship oriented type of group. We don't sit there and point fingers. If there's a problem, I'm not going to uh, critique the individual about why they made the decision and how we you know, got the problem. It's we have a problem, what's the solution? How do we get to the solution and move forward? It's, you know, break, move fast and break things. You break things a little bit, you learn a couple lessons, and then you move forward. Oh, wow. Fail fast. Love that. Love that. that. So I want to, I'll get, we'll get back to the people side uh, in a, uh, in a sec. Um, why don't you talk about your technology? Like what systems do you guys use? Do you guys just use Excel, you know, to track all this stuff or what, what's going on? You know, so I actually uh, was part of the implementation team for bringing Procore into platinum companies uh, prior to Sharp Construction. Um, I had used several softwares in my past. Um, when we implemented Procore, it was the first time that I had actually used that software at Platinum. And it, I mean, the software is amazing. It really is. It, uh, it makes things easier. I'm not going to say it's the best solution in terms of there are things that I feel like it can definitely do better, but it's the best solution that we have available. Um, so as soon as I started Sharp Construction, one of the very first contracts that I wrote was Procore. Uh, we have it pretty much fully integrated within our team. It's part of our daily process in terms of managing RFIs, submittals, um, our, we have our plans up there, our guys in the field manage all of their daily logs through the system. Uh, we really use it for collaboration with our customers, with our architects, engineers, um, as well as our subcontract partners. We issue all of our subcontracts through Procore. Our subcontractors invoice through Procore. Uh, we're issuing pay apps through Procore to our customers. We have our prime contract in Procore. So, I mean, it really from zero to 100 percent is uh, it, it's what it's part of. It's it's our process. It's what we do. So wait. You and I mean, Procore is considered kind of the Ferrari of of the industry, right? Uh, so Procore, by any means, anyone that knows Procore knows that they're not the cheapest out there. If anything, they're probably one of the most expensive solutions out there. And you're saying year one, you were the one you decided, hey, Sharp needs to be on Procore because, you know, so what's your philosophy I then? Go ahead immediately the direction that the uh the industry was headed and i had reviewed several software solutions uh prior to signing on to procore when i was active at platinum um in just a short period of time of using procore i realized that there were a lot of key items that this software provided to us that uh eliminated a lot of pain on the people side for us 
So it was uh, an effective solution, but yes, it gets more costly every single year. Um, <laughs> but uh, especially as a new company or a smaller company, um, it's a solution that helps you move forward in a quick pace without, I would have had to hire, you know, two or three other people to do what Procore helps me do that does it more efficiently and effectively from a customer standpoint, if that makes sense. Yep. Not that I don't want to hire people, but issuing purchase orders. I mean, I would have to have somebody literally, you know, on our either Sage or QuickBooks, you know, managing purchase order distribution out to subcontractors and not just the invoices and the pay apps, et cetera, but also um, the collaboration that you get with your design team in terms of being able to uh, look at the drawings and mark them up. Uh, the guys in the field having a tool that you can use for daily logs. I mean, Excel spreadsheets for daily logs just don't do it anymore. Um, trying to track that and manage that and make sure that those items are actually being complete when it's not in a system like Procore is just, it's a, it's another set of eyes that at the time of starting Sharp Construction, I just didn't have. Um, so yes, uh, Procore was my solution from the very beginning. And uh, do, you, do you believe that by using Procore and essentially investing in technology, has has it given you an advantage over your competition, or are there other ways that it's helped? Um, I don't know that I would say at this point that it's an advantage, just because most of my competition use that or a similar software. Um, so I think that the industry really has transitioned at this point to where if you're not using that software, then you're very far behind, right? Or and I'm not saying that software, but a software similar, then you're you're pretty far behind. Uh, and I mean that with the best intentions. And the reason I say that is because Procore actually is a selling tool for me as well. Um, I have customers that specifically want to work with general contractors that are using either that or a similar type of project management software because they want to be able to go in and review the daily logs. They want to be able to go in and review the, the drawing notes, et cetera. They want to be able to see the photos that are happening, especially if the customer is not local. So Procore helps them feel like they are uh, really in the mix of the project while the project's active in construction, even if they can't be here physically on site. Okay, that's a, that's some good insight. Um, do you feel like, uh, you know, since you've implemented a lot of this technology, you're basically the chief IT technologist person at your company. Would, would that be fair to say? Um, when you are a small company, um, you wear many hats and I, I, people ask me what I do if I introduce myself and explain that I, you know, I'm a general contractor. Oh, well, what do you do for Sharp? I'm the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all. I do whatever needs to be done. And in this case, yes, IT happens to be one of those hats that I wear. Uh, and I like to be honest, I cheat. Google helps me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, the number one way, number one way to go, go solve a problem. Go Google it, right? That's right. No, I, we have Office uh, 365 really implemented uh, throughout the team. We operate on a cloud. Um, everyone, uh, 
has access to all of our files from literally their phone or whatever mobile device they're utilizing. But Office 365 makes it very easy for me to manage you know, emails and computers and software, et cetera, making sure to uh, mass implement that across the entire team in a short period of time. Now, and oh. Tiffany, I know when we talked originally, you people, 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 which I totally agree, but you sound like full tech, like tech is, that is the, you know, way more than I think you give yourself credit for because you're talking about my 365 and like the capabilities, like if you worked at spot migration, like this is like, it's, it's, to me, it's awesome. It's awesome to hear. You have to remember though, when I first started the sharp construction, it was, you know, me, I had a financial individual, I had a superintendent and I had a project manager and that was it. And so uh, really digging in deep to figure out what technology was going to be required and getting comfortable with it to make sure that as we continued to grow, that we did it in a way that made sense without having a bunch of like IT or technological headaches. That was one of my biggest strides in those first few months. So yes, I watched a lot of YouTube videos as well. <laughs> you know, I should have, we should have said that you've had experiences in AEC plus IT because yeah. of just how you're talking here. Just anyone that's listening and, and, you know, they know someone that's old school or they are old school and they're like eh, IT, I think you, you might learn a thing or two from Tiffany here. So, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, like I said, I don't claim to be amazing at it, but when some weird little thing pops up on my screen or I get the blue screen or whatever the case may be. <laughs> Google is my friend, and I can usually find a solution by following somebody else's direction. That's been my cheat, but it works. Oh, yeah. And, of course. And, honesty, if I had to take it to a professional, I would. So far, uh, I think I've only had to do that once. Well, knock on wood for now. Uh, as you grow, I promise you uh, that that will change. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, let's talk a little bit about your processes. You've, you know, you've had a lot of experience uh, in all three, A, E, and C, right? So how have the, the experiences in architectural engineering and construction helped you guys? And, uh, you know, how will this aid girls can build? Well, I think that uh, the best way to describe this, I mean, the experience that I have, even on, though it's been somewhat minimal on, say, the, the structural engineering side or, you know, even the architectural side, like, I get it. I get it enough that when I'm sitting in a meeting and we're talking about, you know, foundations, et cetera, that I can really partake in those conversations and feel confident and comfortable in what I'm saying. I mean, I, I always ask questions as well. I'm, I'm the first one to admit when I don't know something. And, and I say that to everybody that I mentor train, uh, you know, the, the only bad question is the one that wasn't asked. Like, there is not a stupid question. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, but the, the idea here is, is really our partnership with the rest of the industry from the architecture, the engineering, um, and not just sharp construction either. I mean, we have people that are part of this initiative that are um, with my uh, competitors. Uh, this isn't just a sharp construction initiative. This is really an initiative to support our industry because there's a huge labor gap that we're dealing with. And, and then I, I talk about this a lot too. Um, you 
know, there's only 10% of women in construction across the entire United States. And I believe it is 15% of women that are in the engineering field and 17% that are in architecture and design. Uh, and then 52 or approximately 52% of women that get up every single day and go to work uh, that harbor the workforce that are leaving their families to go generate some sort of income for their family. And so I look at that 52% that is going to work every day and the 10% that's doing it in my industry and say, all right, given our labor challenges and this huge gap in the amount of women that are in our industry, why is this? What is going on? What's the solution here and how can we fix this? We have a massive opportunity here of about 40%. Uh, so Girls Can Build is an initiative that we partnered with uh, Girl Scouts and ASU actually um, in order to help inspire young women and mentor them and educate them that construction, architecture, engineering, these are fields that not only can they join and have like amazing careers, but they, they really can someday start their own company you know, and be, be a leader in the field. Like this is not a field where they're going to be discriminated against. There are a lot of uh, misrepresentations in our field that are barriers that we're trying to break down to ensure that women not only know that this is a field that they're welcome to come and join, but that they, they can be empowered and, and grow and, and really do amazing things. So, uh... You know, one of the things when we did our pre-interview is you talked about, uh, you know, and I feel like this is probably where where maybe some of the inspiration uh, came from. Right now, you're kind of paying it forward and trying to help uh, these young women into uh, really into the industry, right? Um, but it sounds like, but I think you've got your own set of mentors and you even did something very unique with your company that most people don't have until they're much bigger. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you created a board for, for your company. Oh, that's right. Yes, absolutely. So, and you think this is normal, right? But this is not normal for most companies. So this is why we got to pull this stuff out. So you've, you've got a board for your company uh, and why don't you talk about that? Uh, why do you have it? Uh, and how has it helped you? Um, just talk about that. You know, I, I decided to uh, create a board for the company. It's my board of advisors. Um, being a business owner can be very lonely. Uh, it's very hard to find other individuals that you can talk to about some of the challenges that you're facing while you are trying to, you know, build the brand and build the business and, you know, maybe challenges with labor, challenges with uh, processes or, you know, challenges with customers, etc. Um, and so it can be a very lonely place. And so initially I decided that I need some people that I trust and I value their, uh, their leadership and I value their experience that I can get together on say a quarterly basis and sit down and maybe give them a high level overview of where we are, where we're heading and uh, what the strategy is. And then also talk a little bit about some of the challenges that we're facing. And it turns into a really nice roundtable conversation that these individuals are able to provide me some really amazing feedback about things 
challenges maybe they've run into um, throughout their career that are similar to what we've done uh, and good or bad what they learned from it, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it's a sounding board. Um, it's also uh, their mentors to me. And so I really am inspired by the things that they've done in their own professions and their own careers and with their own companies. And, uh, and I welcome their, invite, their advice tremendously. Um, that was one reason. Uh, second reason was because I ultimately wanted to make sure that I set Sharp Construction up for success in my potential demise someday. So I, I don't want to sound, uh, you know, uh, down, but I mean, we don't live forever. And I really want my company to survive in a positive fashion if something were to ever happen. And so uh, the individuals that sit on my board are um, intended to be there with the idea that they will help uh, navigate that situation and make sure that you know the leadership is put in place and you know depending on if it if it would turn into an ESOP or whatever the case may be but however it's going to be handled that it's handled comfortably and gracefully uh, with the idea that my staff knows that uh, no matter what they still have a, a comfortable space in their career at Sharp Construction. That's really forward thinking. It might be morbid, but that's really forward thinking, right? I mean, for anyone that thinks, you know, these are the type of topics that people are afraid of to talk about. But the problem is that when they be become a surprise, that's when it becomes a real problem. You're thinking ahead really far into the future, uh, or hopefully really far into the future. Uh, uh, and, you know, you've mitigated risk and thought about risk that others don't think about. It's also a reason why your company is going to be around for a long time after you because of this type of thinking, right? Which is super awesome. That's definitely the goal. So, yeah, succession planning is something that nobody like they, it's like, oh, I'm 78. I should start thinking about this. And it's like too late. What are you like? What are we talking about? Like, you know, like, so it's really cool that you are. Um, and that's not the, the sole purpose, but like that, that is a, a component of this. So that's really cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I turned 40 this year. I don't feel old. I'm very happy with where I'm at, but it's definitely just, you know, I, this, my team's like my family. I, I want to make sure they're taken care of as well. So this is just one of those other line items that you're checking off to, you know, make sure that you have all of your I's dotted and T's crossed in the event that maybe you're, yeah. <laughs> to totally. Event, unfortunately. So speaking of your people or your, what you feel is family, there's a quote on your website and it says, all construction contractors buy the same materials and use the same types of machinery. What has always set us apart from our competition is our people. We truly believe that is uh, it's our people that make the difference. So as a marketer, like this sounds beautiful, but why is it actually true and different at Sharp Construction than it is just a wonderful marketing statement? You know what, because I, I, and I really hope that my team feels this way, but I do genuinely value my people and I want to hear their feedback. And I, uh, if they have recommendations for making things better, I mean, I tell all of them, I'm not afraid of change, you know, present your ideas. If you have ideas, let's do it. 
I, uh, I also think that our culture is extremely important. It's one of the things that I've been very, very, very uh, careful with uh, since the start of Sharp Construction. I can't tell you that I've been successful in every way. I've definitely learned my own fair share of lessons about uh, being the right leader and how to manage people effectively and uh, what it is that they're looking for. And you know, there's not a one bill fits all type of thing. I mean, each individual has their own love language or their own leadership requirement or style that, that they're looking for from their leader. And it's really important as a leader to try and determine what motivates your people, because what motivates one individual is going to be completely different for another. And that's still something that I'm challenged with. I mean, I, I face that every single day trying to figure out, you know, this person is a words of affirmation person, and I really need to give them a call and let them know that they're doing a, a tremendous job, or this person is a pat on the back person. I really just need to walk through their project you know, take a look at it and give them a nice pat on the back and say, you know what, job well done, thank you, right? So these are the things that like trying to figure out how to navigate um, and create a leadership style that is is something that your team absolutely values. Uh, and, and you have trust and camaraderie that's built within that team. I mean, I'm chasing after that. I, I really want that. And, and it's still... Uh, it's still something that I'm working on and I'm sure that I'll be working on it for the rest of my career. <laughs> I don't, that's I don't awesome. The, yeah. I don't have the picture perfect. This is the way to do it yet, but someday maybe I'll try to write a book on it. <laughs> there we go. I think that's what we need. We need all of our guests to write books. Will I keep, I keep saying this because I mean, genuinely, I agree with you. Uh, everyone's got awesome tidbits and awesome things that they say about their people uh and i'm sure we could start a collection uh of stories around this so we may we may have to do that um i love that you break it down to the psychological um like the five love languages right like that you know um taking that concept of like how are you motivated and like every individual is different and they they interpret things different ways i love that you're thinking about that as you're thinking about your people, that obviously stands out uh, a whole bunch, especially in the construction industry. So that's really cool. Um, um, just, just for our listeners who don't know where this is coming from, there's a book called The Five Love Languages. It's a book by Gary Chapman, uh, and it talks about uh, the five different ways that people uh, essentially like to be loved. Uh, and essentially it's uh, their way of expressing uh, what's important, essentially what's important to them. Um, everyone and how they like it. differently and everyone receives it differently. Yes, and, correct. Uh, I think it's a great book. It, it, even from a professional, from a professional level and a personal level, I think it's definitely a, a book to know. Then we'll definitely keep that in the show notes, uh, for anyone that wants to look that up. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's talk about one, just labor shortages in general, but then obviously how girls can build is gonna make that that change, that difference, that huge, big um, initiative that obviously is starting with young, young ladies. And um, so let's talk about it. So obviously there's a labor shortage here uh, in the industry. So how do you find good people and how is Girls Can Build gonna help uh, achieve that for the industry? Those are two heavy hitting questions right there. <laughs> I think I could talk about for its own session. So, <laughs> uh, finding good people right now is uh, definitely part of it's. It's a huge part of the challenge. Um, 
because like I said, culture is important and I'm not just hiring anybody to fill a hole. I'm hiring the right person. Remember, I'm going to go back to the right people in the right place doing the right things at the right time. I live by that. <laughs> so I love uh, the creed. <laughs> Uh, but when it comes to girls can build, um, we're really trying to uh, educate these girls at a younger age, which is why Girl Scouts is such an amazing partner for us. Um, you don't really grow up as a young woman and hear from your mom or dad, oh, hey, you should be a construction project manager. Oh, you'd have an amazing career, you know, as an electrical engineer or, you know, as a mechanical contractor, you can go work as a plumber, etc. Um, as a young girl, and, and I don't know how much, how true this is today as it was for me as a child, but uh, personally as a young kid, I mean, I really grew up with the idea that, I mean, yeah, you're a young woman, you can be an amazing teacher someday, or you can be an amazing nurse, but those are the types of careers that these young ladies are brought up to think that where they're going to be uh, the most successful. Um, and if you look at that, 52% of women that harbor the uh, workforce across the United States, they're in hospitality, retail, healthcare, and education. So these are the uh, types of barriers that we're trying to break now is by getting in front of these girls at a younger age prior to them graduating high school and having to select a degree and move forward with a, you know, a, a college uh, degree that maybe they would have made a different decision had they had all of the information at hand to make the decision with. Meaning if they understand what project managers do and what superintendents do and, you know, what the engineering field looks like, the architectural field looks like, et cetera, then they're more equipped to make a decision about what career maybe they would align best with before they go uh, to college. So that's the idea. I mean, Got if it. you ask these girls right now that are graduating college, hey, what does an electrical engineer do? How many of them do you think you're gonna be able to tell you? What's a construction project manager do? What's a superintendent do? They just don't really know. Um, so we wanna give them those tools to, uh, to be able to make the decision before they head in that direction and are kind of put in a position where they really need to make a decision. Um, but also we want to educate them to be more self-sufficient as well. So some of the uh, portion of Girls Can Build their we have an education committee and actually we're building a mobile workspace. Uh, this mobile workspace is a van that will travel around to different camps across Arizona uh, that will have like pop out workstations that will teach them. Um, you know, one of the stations that we're talking about is how, how to change a tire and the different tools that go into changing a tire. Uh, we'll have like a workshop station. We'll have a station that really teaches them about tools related to construction and how these tools work. Um, uh, so several different types of stations involved in this mobile workshop that are entitled or intended to uh, help educate these young girls and not just what our industry does, but also um, key skills that they should have as they grow into young women and are, you know, managing households and, and raising children, et cetera. Awesome. Super cool. Uh, I love, yeah, I love, I, I love the mobile building space idea. That's super cool. So tell us about the synergy between um, Sharp and the Girl Scouts. 
you know, we, this, it's such a fun story because it, it honestly started over a cup of coffee at the Henry, which is a restaurant that's here in Phoenix. Um, and my uh, VP of business development had had set this meeting up with Christina Spicer, who is the, I believe she's the president of, CAC, of Girl Scouts Cactus Pine Council and here in Phoenix. And, uh, and we hit it off immediately. I mean, she's super inspiring to me. And uh, I, I think that I inspire her from a building standpoint. And so the synergy and what it is that we're trying to accomplish was it just naturally came out. I mean, we even named girls can build literally at that first coffee and it has wow. just expanded from there. That first coffee happened last summer, I think in like probably June timeframe. And uh, now I can tell you, I think we have 40 people that sit on the boards. We have one main board and then four uh, sub boards that um, one that's specifically around education, one that is specifically around um, uh, marketing and social media, etc. We've got several companies that have joined uh, 40 people is a lot of people and they're from all walks of life within our industry and and I'm really, really excited and honestly surprised to see just how much energy is surrounding this initiative in a short period of time. It's humbling. It really is. We've got a, a lot of passionate people that are involved with this initiative and that are helping to take it to the next level. As a matter of fact, we have a large event that is happening on May 11th uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Ainsworth. Uh, that is a, I mean, we're inviting the entire industry. It's going to be between 250 to 300 people. Um, and we're, we're really just passionate about getting the word out about what it is that we're trying to do and, and get help, right, to continue the initiative. No, that's awesome. We will make sure we put all the details in the show notes. Um, so when people obviously will want to attend, it'll be very easy for them to uh, register and click through. So that's amazing. So what's the, what's the future for Girls Can Build? Obviously, the mobile uh, building site, uh, that's first. What, what, where, where's the sky? Where are the limits? Where, where's the stratosphere? Well, right now, the initiative is really located in Phoenix. We've had some individuals outside of Phoenix reach out that are passionate about the initiative and want to help carry it on. So ideally, we would like to find some partners in some other locations, other states, other areas that will help carry out the mission of Girls Can Build. Um, but it, it, it's really coming up with projects and plans to continue to help mentor and guide and, and get, get the initiative out there, right? So the mobile workshop is just project one. That, I mean, we just kicked this off. Uh, we're, we're really excited about this one. We want a big win right now. Um, and so this is going to be our big win in terms of what happens next. I mean, we have an entire team right now that's putting plans together for that. I don't have all the answers yet because we're still so fresh and new, but we're putting ideas together for how can we continue to grow this initiative and how can we continue to improve what it is that we're doing and really, really take this to the next level. And how can people get involved? How can how can they help the cause? Oh, there's there's so many ways. Um, first and foremost, 
Uh, if you want to help in any way, if you want to donate your time, uh, you are uh, more than welcome to join us. I mean, we have, like I said, several committees that are uh, filled with passionate people that are helping to drive this initiative in several different ways. Um, another way that you can help is by, uh, you know, introducing us to somebody else that may be passionate about our plans or that you think would be inspired by what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Um, we, the more the merrier, really, genuinely. This is, like I said, it's a non-competitive type of initiative. This is, it doesn't matter who you are. It just matters if the, if you feel passionate about what it is that we're trying to accomplish or you know somebody that would, then we love the introduction or we love to have you join us. And then obviously the third uh, way that you can help is donations. We are accepting donations um, to be able to finish our project here and get this uh, uh, mobile workshop constructed. Uh, so we have several partners that are working with us to get this constructed. We're up for a couple of, uh, uh, why can't I think of what it's called now, of course. Um, grants. Thank you. We're up for a couple of grants. It's such an easy word, you know. <laughs> if that's the word I stumble on all day today, right? <laughs> uh, yes, we're up for a couple of grants right now that we're hoping that we're going to hear back about uh, real soon. And um, and we have started receiving donations. We've been on the news with this initiative. I think it was just ABC 15. Uh, we've done a couple of channels. So uh, we're we're just really trying to inspire people to want to either give and give in some way in terms of your time or a connection or uh, obviously financially. That's super inspiring. Uh, we'll put all that uh, information in the show notes. Uh, and uh, I know Justin will be uh, will be helping out over in Phoenix uh, on the 11th. So he's definitely going to be supporting you there. Um, see that. I'm a little farther away, but if we have a Chicago chapter, I would totally support it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of experience. You, but... I want to know, you know, if you were to go back 20 years, what would you tell yourself? You know, I saw that question and it was the hardest one for me. I was really trying to think about uh, what would I tell myself? You know, there's a couple of times in my life that I have been uh, afraid to say something or afraid to like take the risk, right? And so honestly, uh, I'm pretty passionate about risk taking now. If I could go backwards 20 years, I would tell myself, you know what? Don't think, just go for it. Just do it. <laughs> are you able to are you able to expand? <laughs> are you able to expand on why why you think that? Or is there a story behind that where you saw an outcome? There, there are a couple stories behind that. Um, you know, I had a early on in my career, I had um especially being a woman in construction, uh, had dealt with, uh, you know what I mean? You, you know what you want to say, you know, you know what you're talking about, but you don't know that you trust and believe that the individuals sitting across from you value or care about what you're talking about. Right. Um, 
So there are a couple instances where I was quiet when I shouldn't have been. Um, I learned a lesson. Uh, I was building a house up in uh, Flagstaff, actually, and I was sitting at a table, the only woman in construction. I was the only one representing the company that I worked for at the time. And I was sitting at this table uh, with the developer and uh, there was a dispute about the roofing and the subcontractor was sitting at the table as well. And the subcontractor, the, the sorry, the developer is communicating with the subcontractor and kind of like questioning why aren't you guys getting this information to us like we're asking you to? And now this is information that I've been pestering this company about for at least a month, right? Um, and the individual turns around and says, well, I've been reaching out to the president of this company, who the company I was working for, I've been reaching out to the president, I've been trying to get information, etc. And I don't know what it was. I just burst. I just, because I nearly lost my mind. <laughs> And I slammed my hand down on the table and pushed my chair back and stood up and said, I've been reaching out to you directly for at the last month, at least three times a week. I've been requesting this information from you personally every single week for the last month. And I'm your project manager. Why are you calling the president of my company? Why aren't you calling me? <laughs> and then I looked over and said, would you be calling the president of the developer if you were running into issues? And so I, it was just kind of like that. You walk away sometimes and you say, God, I wish I would have said this or God, I wish I would have done this. And I, I kind of call it my coming out party because I couldn't stop myself from that moment on. <laughs> After that, it became natural that I just said whatever was on my mind in a positive way. I don't I don't yell and and get frantic, but I mean, it, I think that was just my, my, uh, it was many years coming at that moment in time and I let it out. And so now I wish I would have just been able to do that many years prior to that. Cause there were several instances where I should have. Thank that you is exceptional. Story. Let the, let the <laughs> people hear the voice. That's that, that's my opinion. Oh, I love it. <laughs> The developers after that meeting all got up and shook my hand and said, I've never seen a contractor manage a situation the way you just did, and especially not a woman. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I guess it That's great. That's so good. That's so great. All right. Well, uh, Tiffany, you've been amazing. Uh, we're I'm excited to do uh, the event on the 11th. Super excited about that. Um, so I, I'll see you then for sure. Um, uh, and uh, is there anything else you want to tell the people before we close on out? I don't know. I think we covered a lot. I really appreciate you guys having me. You guys have been great. Um, it's definitely be fun, been fun. And I, I look forward to uh, listening back to see how ridiculous I sound. <laughs> uh, not at all. I sound ridiculous all the time. I just, I've just accepted that fact and I just let it go. You're so, genuinely okay. awesome. Uh, you know, um, one last thing. Um, how can people, uh, you know, reach out, contact you uh, if they want to, whether it's regards to the initiative or something else, how, uh, how can people contact uh, you? 
uh, Sharp Constructions on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can definitely follow us on LinkedIn and reach out uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I actually message people back. So that's probably the easiest way to <laughs> contact me. Um, and then uh, Girls Can Build is also on LinkedIn. I know that these wonderful gentlemen here, Justin and Will, will share this uh, information in the story as well. Uh, but those are probably the two easiest ways to uh, get a hold of us. Uh, girls Can Build also has a website that is girlscanbuild.us and um, Sharp Construction's website is sharpconstruction.com. So easy enough. All right, perfect. All right, well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, until next time, everyone, adios. Bye. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth, scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources. resources.